welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. So Pastor Mark um, is in Manchester, but he will be here next week, and he misses you guys dearly. So uh, he wanted to make sure that I said that, and uh, that he's thinking of all of you and, and praying for each one of you. And uh, he will be preaching here, I think it's the next three or four weeks in a row. So uh, you, you'll get to... You'll get to hear him and see him um, very much over the next month. Um, this is the last message of the series, Veritas. I think it's been a good series. Amen? I think we've kind of, we've gone into some uncharted territories and, and wrestled with some things that maybe we haven't wrestled with before. And I know I've learned a lot uh, in sitting and, and listening to, to Mark and, and Pastor Mike and the other Mike and uh, and I've learned a lot through prepping for these sermons, and uh, I, f- I feel like uh, they, they've, give, they've given me the hardest one to preach now, because I have to preach about the return of Christ, and uh, this one is sobering. This one is sobering. Uh, so uh, let me pray, and uh, we'll, we'll go at it. So God, we come to you this morning. God, we come to you as our God, as that song, as that song that we sang is, he is faithful, he is glorious, he is Jesus, all my hope is in you, all of my hope is in you, and none in myself. God, everything rides on you, Jesus. You're our hope now, and you're our hope for the future. And I just pray, I pray that you would open our hearts, God, that you would soften them to receive your word, God, that we might change, be changed to become more like you, that we might leave here changed. So God, we offer ourselves to you, we offer our attentions to you, our desires, our hearts, our fears, our troubles, our worries, and we put them at your throne. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had nightmares about lack of preparation? Okay, so this, is, this one's funny. So I, I need to start this sermon on a light note because it's, it's heavy. So I have this recurring nightmare, and you're going to laugh at me. So this, this is my recurring nightmare. I'm an undergrad student, and uh, I learn at the end of the semester that I had registered for a Spanish class. Now, I did not like studying Spanish in school. I, I'm going to use the word hate. I, I loathed I, because I struggled with it. It was so hard for me. So I have this nightmare that it's, it's the end of the semester, and I had signed up to take a Spanish class, and I didn't know it. And I learned it the last day of the, of the semester when they were taking the exam. So I go to the classroom, and I step in the classroom, and they're, they're starting to take the test, and I just start to cry and weep because I was not prepared for this test. And it is the worst dream that I have. Now, you laugh. You could laugh because it doesn't sound like a big deal. But for me, I like to prepare. I like to be prepared for things. I don't like to be surprised like that. And, uh, and again, I don't really like, I didn't really like studying Spanish because it was really hard for me. So that is probably my worst nightmare. 
Can you relate? You can relate, right? So raise your hand if you like to prepare. Okay. Raise your hand if you're a procrastinator. Okay. Now some of you, some of you are so talented that you can, you can put it off and, and put off preparation. And, and in the last minute, in the, you know, the last day before the exam, study real hard like Tim. I know Tim can do that. Yeah, and Corey likes to do that too. Uh, you know, put it off to the last minute and then still do well. Um, but, you know, there's one final exam that every person is going to have to face. There's one exam that you cannot procrastinate for. That each one of us, every person that has ever existed, is going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And their lives will be examined. That is sobering. He will look at your entire life and examine you. And that is one that we cannot neglect to prepare for. See, that's heavy, isn't it? Yeah. So, we're going to talk about what the exam day looks like. We're going to talk about when you need to prepare for the exam. How you need to prepare for the exam. And how you know you've prepared for the exam. And to do that, we're going to look at a few passages of Scripture. We're going to spend most of our time in Matthew 25. But let's first talk about the day of the exam. The series is truth. Now, the truth is this, that Jesus is going to return, that he is coming back. He is coming back. Now, the first time that he came, he came to be judged. He came to be judged by the religious rulers. He, became, he came to be judged by the authorities of this world. He came to bear the sins of humanity and face the, ra- face the wrath and judgment of God when he was nailed to the cross. But this time when he returns, he is not coming to be judged. He is coming to judge. And it's a scary and sobering thought. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. For we all must appear. He's writing this letter to Christians, actually. So we're included in that. Now, nobody knows the day that he's returning. So in many ways, it's a pop exam. Kind of like a pop quiz. Yeah, we don't like those. At least we know it's coming. And we know that the test is cumulative. Because he's going to examine your whole life. Sounds like a rough test to me. We know this too, that the exam is pass or fail. And the grading scale for the exam is the law. Whether you've loved God or loved your neighbor. So he's going to look at your life 
And if in any way you've fallen short and loving God and loving your neighbor, you fail the exam. That's tough. That's harsh. Only the righteous will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said it this way. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not enter into heaven. You will not receive eternal life. So the standard, this test is basically impossible for us. I don't know anybody in my life, I don't know anybody in the history of the world that could pass this test except for one. Jesus. Jesus passed this test. We sang the song, he is faithful, he is glorious, he is Jesus, all my hope is in him. What we were saying in that song is that my hope for passing this test rides on you, Jesus. You are my only hope for getting through and passing this test because I can't pass this test on my own. Because when I look at my life, it's filled with unrighteousness. I don't love my neighbor as I should, and I don't love God as I should. I have no hope in myself. I have no hope in my flesh. All of my hope is in Jesus. So we have this test, and you have to stand before him. And he's going to open the books, and he's going to examine your life. And as I said, the law is the grading scale. It's the rubric. And if you fail, there's no retakes. You can't take the test again. There's no retest. It's not like SATs where you take it five times. You take it once. And failing the test has eternal consequences. The Bible describes how those who are cast out of heaven... There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth because those who are there thought they were actually going to pass the test. It's frustration. It's that I, I thought I had this figured out. See, God is a holy God, and sin can't be in his presence. And you can't leave sin unpunished. But there's hope. See, the Bible speaks of a different way to pass the test, to enter the kingdom of heaven, a different way to pass the exam. It speaks of a righteousness that is not of our own, but comes through faith in Jesus. We have someone else who gets us the passing grade. And then our good works gives the extra credit. When, G, when the Apostle Paul was writing about the judgment seat of Christ for Christians, he compared it to the, the seat that the Olympic judge would sit on. And he'd give out rewards, the wreaths, to the athletes for their works. That doesn't sound so scary to me. That sounds pretty exciting to me. If you're one of his. So we're going to look at Matthew 25. 
And Matthew 25 has several warning passages that will help us prepare for the day of the exam. They tell us when we need to prepare, how we need to prepare, and how we know that we've prepared. We're going to look at two of these warning passages. We don't have time to go through. There's, I think, four in the chapter. So turn with me to Matthew 25. And we're going to look at our first warning passages. They're warning passages because they cause us to question. They cause us to rethink. They cause us to examine ourselves. In the same way that Paul said, examine yourself to determine if you're in the faith. They call us to not make assumptions about what we think and what we know. They cause us to have sober judgment. So turn to me, Matthew 25, verse 1. This first warning passage answers the question, when should we prepare for the exam? The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. This is a parable. I'll just lay that out there. So the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who went with their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. So it's exam day. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give me some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now, the first thing that I see in this passage is that it's too late to prepare for the exam once it has already started. Just like in school. The teacher passes out the exam. You can't take out your notebook again, right? You can't take your foot and flip it open and kind of peek down the side and find the answers. It's too late to prepare once Jesus has returned. You have to prepare before he has returned. The second thing I see in this parable is that the foolish virgins wanted to rely on another person's preparedness. Think about that. There are many of us who come here every Sunday because we are dragged here. There are many people sitting in churches throughout this country who are dragged there every Sunday. They are not going because they expect to meet with Jesus. They are not going because they expect to hear him. They're going because it's an expectation. They're going because, you know, maybe it's my wife's thing. Well, that's my wife's thing. And I'll go, I'll go and support her, but this isn't really my thing. 
So I'll, so I'll just go. And someday, someday I'll, I'll figure this out. But in the meantime, I want to live my own life. I know plenty of people who struggle with that. I've lived like that. I think most of us here, probably all of us here, can relate to that, lived like that, know people like that, who have not made their own preparations for the day when Christ returns, who do not know Jesus, and Jesus doesn't know them. You cannot rely on another person's preparedness. You can't borrow oil from their lamp. You need to have your own faith. The faith of your family members won't get you in. The exam is for individuals, not for groups. That's heavy. That's sobering, and it should be. And it should cause us to examine ourselves. It should cause us to examine ourselves for evidence of of saving faith. The third thing I see in this passage is that Jesus did not know the foolish virgins. And as we'll see in the next warning passage, that is essentially saying that they were not one of his sheep. He didn't know them. And as evidenced by their lack of preparation, they didn't know him either. Because if they knew him, they would have believed that he was coming. And they would have believed and taken him seriously. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? So in knowing who he is, and knowing that he's a holy God, and knowing that he is a just God, we would make sure that we prepared in advance. And that we would have the righteousness that is required to get into heaven. The righteousness that comes through faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to go to this next warning passage. This passage is about sheep and goats. And this this passage tells us how to prepare. So turn with me or go to uh, verse 14. I'm sorry. Verse 31. Matthew 25, verse 31. And it won't be on the screen, so if you have your Bibles or a device, go there. Because it's kind of a long passage, so I'll give you a second to get there. Just a word of encouragement. Bibles are awesome. Like paper Bibles. You know why? Because you can write in them. You can highlight in them. They become part of who you are. And there's something mechanical. There's something that, that when you write and when you highlight and, and you have the physical paper... It actually sticks better. And scientific studies have shown that when you read actual paper versus a screen, you learn more, you retain more. So don't neglect this and, and bring this on Sunday. Right? Yeah. It's fantastic. So verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory. Oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, the great white throne of judgment. Before him, all will be gathered, all the nations, and he will separate the people one from another, 
as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. So we notice immediately there's two groups of people here. There are those who are sheep, and there are those who are goats. In preparing for this sermon, I decided to do a little research on sheep and goats and, and try to see what the difference is between a sheep and a goat and see if there's any significance, even inherently, with sheep and goats. So here's what I found out. So if you know anything about sheep or goats, you'll probably laugh because, you know, oh, wow, yeah, that's true. So sheep, sheep are gentle. They're very social. They're quiet, easily led animals. Let me pause for a second. As I read these characteristics, search your heart and see if these things are true about you. Okay? Let me read that again. Sheep are gentle, very social, quiet, and easily led animals. Sheep are best known for their strong flocking, herding, and following instinct. They run from what frightens them and band together in large groups for protection. This is the only protection they have from predators. There is safety in numbers. It's harder for a predator to pick a sheep out of a group uh, than to go after a few strays. Male, male sheep fiercely protect their harems from challengers. Sheep arrange themselves in a herd. In the face of danger, the adult males would surround the females and the young. Goats, on the other hand, are pushy. They're self-sufficient. They're headstrong. Most goats are naturally horned, but many sheep breeds are polled or naturally hornless. Goat horns can be used to bring harm to another goat, to human beings, or even sheep. Goats are naturally quarrelsome. Remember, search your heart. And they have short tempers. They rear and butt in order to establish dominance. Rather than being passive animals like sheep, they have more aggressive tendencies. Goats do not require as much supervision or care as sheep. They're more independent animal. Unlike sheep, goats will easily revert back to their wild conditions if given the chance. So sheep, uh, goats can come along and you can start to integrate them and maybe try to train them to be part of a, a herd or if, a flock, that's a better term. Um, but left to their own, they're going to wander away from that and start to do their own thing. Kind of like in church where sometimes people come for a season and then they take off and you never see them again. And then they go off and do their own thing and stop following Jesus. Hmm. Interesting. So goats tend to wander when they eat. They like to go to high places. They are not herded as well as sheep because they would rather lead than follow. Goats, however, are they're stubborn, destructive animals if left untended. Male goats do not protect their mates from other males. So you have sheep and you have goats. And it's pretty clear biblically that the sheep are the children of God. The sheep are those who follow Jesus. They learn from Jesus. They, they stay together. They protect each other. They're not aggressive against each other. They have the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You see the character of Jesus in the sheep. They follow their shepherd. They hear his voice. They know his voice. And the goats are those 
that are independent, who decide they're going to do it their own way and live their lives their own way. And consequently, on the day of the examination, they're going to take their test on their own and stand on their own merits. And the sheep are going to follow the shepherd into the gates of heaven. And it's his righteousness that is going to get them in. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I heard the story of, Tony Evans told the story once of how he was a, uh, the, the clergy or the chaplain for a basketball team. And he had a pass to go into areas of the stadium where no other spectators could go. And if somebody was with him, they could go with him into the locker room. Now, without Tony's pass and without Tony, there was no way that the individual that came with him would be able to go into the locker room. But because of his because of his past, because of who he was, because that he met the requirements, they could go with him. Does that make sense? All right. Jesus said in John 10, 3 to 5, in verse 7, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. The sheep enter by him and are saved. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. When Jesus died on the cross and the wrath of God went upon him for the sins of the world, he died for his sheep. He died so that his sheep might be credited with his own righteousness and enter into heaven. That's how we pass the test. So how do we become sheep? We become sheep by grace through faith. You don't earn it. It's a gift of God. Not of works. It's a gift of God. He calls you to himself. He does a work inside of you. And then you surrender to him. He gives you faith, but this is your responsibility. You have to take that faith and appropriate it. You have to make it your own. You have to decide to lay down your life and follow him as the shepherd. You live as a sheep following him, hearing him, allowing him to provide for you and care for you and meet your needs. He leads you beside still waters. He protects you. Beautiful. He's a good, good father. He's a good shepherd. Amen? Yeah. They know his voice. He speaks to you when you have that relationship. When Jesus sent out his disciples, they went from town to town and they preached the, king, the message of the kingdom. And, and you know what they said? You know what the message of the kingdom? They said, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Pick up your cross and follow him. 
truly, if you can encapsulate it, it's repent, die to self, pick up your cross, and then follow him. And then bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That's the gospel. Dying to self, to follow the shepherd. Often in the gospel, we say, oh, you know, the gospel is Jesus loves you. Well, that's, that's part of the gospel. He demonstrated his love and going and, and dying on the cross so that his righteousness might be credited to us through faith. But the gospel, it, repent, lay down your life, follow the shepherd, and then the shepherd's going to lead you into heaven. That is awesome. So you become a sheep how? By grace, through faith. And that faith is this submission to the lordship of Christ. It's repenting and saying, I can't do this on my own. I can't pass this test on my own. I don't have the righteousness to to enter into heaven on my own. I will tank this exam. I wouldn't even get one question right on my own. I do not have the righteous requirement to pass the test. And faith is believing that he does and putting all your hope in him and all your trust in him. For he is faithful. He is glorious. He is Jesus. All my hope is in him. That's awesome. He is our shepherd. And you know what happens when you do that? Or in this process of this surrender, he makes you a new creation. He takes you from being a goat and turns you into sheep, to a sheep. You're a completely new species. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You go from a goat to a sheep. And then he knows you. Amen? And you hear his voice. And he leads you beside still waters. And he leads you into the gates of heaven. He knows who his sheep are. In that parable of the virgins where he said, away from me, I don't know you. He said, no, that's not the case anymore. I know my sheep. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by the father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. That sounds awesome to me. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick in prison or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, truly I say to you, 
as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. How do you know if you're a sheep? Sheep care for other sheep. Sheep watch after other sheep. Sheep protect other sheep. Sheep don't butt heads with other sheep. Sheep meet the needs of the least of these. These are works. These are works of love. This is loving your neighbor. This is loving your brother and your sister in Christ. This is James chapter 2, which is really a commentary on this account, where James said this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is it? So also faith by itself. If it does not have works, it is dead. So James is saying that the way that you care for other sheep, your works, is evidence of your saving faith. And when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he examines your life, there needs to be evidence that you have saving faith, that you're one of his sheep. Now, it's not going to be a surprise to Jesus. It's not that at the judgment seat he's making a decision as to who goes in it's a surprise to those who stand at the seat whether or not they go in or not that's sobering as well so as we examine our lives and look at do i have you know characteristics of a sheep is there evidence of saving faith in my life as i as i examine myself to determine if i'm in the faith do I love brothers and sisters in Christ? He was talking to believers and non-believers in this message. Jesus, when he shared the sheep and the goats narrative, he was actually referring back to Matthew 10 when he sent out his disciples, when he sent out missionaries. He sent out his disciples to the wolves and basically warned them saying, you guys are going to face persecution, but go out and proclaim the kingdom. And share the gospel message. And so he's talking in this passage really directly about how you received the messenger and his message. Which is evidence of saving faith. Does that make sense? So how do you know if you're a sheep? You need to look at your life. You need to look at your works. You need to look at how you're caring for the least of these. That's, that's essential. That's part of it. It matters. Because if the Holy Spirit's inside of you, it should be bearing fruit. Amen? Yeah. Because he's sanctifying us. He's making us more like Jesus all the time. And we should search ourselves to look for evidence of that. So how do you know if you're prepared well, have you repented? Have you 
picked up your cross and started to follow him? Have you made it your life mission to, to go out and make disciples? Have you made it your life mission to care for the least of these? Your Christian brothers who are in need? Those who are marginalized? Those who are being persecuted for their faith? Hmm. Or are you more like goats? Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then you will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. But the righteous into eternal life. So what do we do with that? I think we have to start by having an honest assessment of who we are and, and pray and, and just pray that, that God would show you and reveal to you what's in your heart and that he would show you what your life looks like. And if it looks completely like a goat and not like a sheep, then you absolutely need to throw yourself at the mercy of Christ and repent and ask that he would forgive you for trying to do it on your own, for trying to stand on your own merit, for being strong-willed, for wandering from the flock, for not being prepared. Because you know what? He could return tonight. He could. He could return tonight. Or you could die today. Either could happen. Truly. And if you don't decide that now, if you don't prepare now, it's too late when he shows up. Because once the exam starts, you can't take out your notebook. You can't look at somebody else's paper. We each have to be examined. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you submitted to his lordship? Have you repented of trying to do it on your own? It's essential. Are you his sheep? I'm going to have the worship team come up. The other essential part of this, and I, I can't neglect this. This is, this is so important. If you are a sheep, if you look at your life, and, you know, we all have struggles, and nobody's perfect, and that's why it's Christ's righteousness and not our own. But if we're relying and all of our hope is in him, how do we then live? We go out and share the gospel. You evangelize and you share the whole gospel, not just Jesus loves you gospel. You share the whole gospel that we're sinners. We're sinners and we deserve judgment. 
Faith comes through hearing, hearing the word of God. Who else is going to go out and share the word of God? Only the sheep will. So that's our mission. That's what he calls us to. He calls us to care for each other and love on each other and and meet each other's needs because as we go out and do this, we're going to get persecuted. You know, right now we live in a country where we're free to, to go and share our faith. It might not be like that 10 years from now. It might not, because it, it seems clear to me that a time is coming where we're going to lose some of those freedoms. We really are. And some of us might get thrown in jail for sharing about Jesus. If I get thrown in jail, are you going to come visit me? I like that answer. Does that make sense? God, this is so sobering. God, I just pray that in this moment, that right now, God, that if there's anybody here who has not prepared, that has been saying, oh, I'll figure it out someday. That I'll figure it out someday. That, Lord, I'm not even good enough to lift up my head and lift up my eyes before you. God, that that person would experience the regeneration through the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit would come upon them and change them and give them a new heart and cause them to go from being a goat to a sheep. God, that they would repent of their sins. God, that they'd throw themselves at the mercy of, the, of a just but loving God. That they would have assurance that they are now a sheep. And nobody can snatch the sheep out of the hands of Jesus. Nobody. He protects them and he guards them and he loves them and he speaks to them. I can't imagine living without that father. I can't imagine what it would be like to not know that love, to not hear your voice. Oh, that today you would decide. That you would decide. That you would prepare. God, and those of us who know you, I pray that you would create a burning inside a passionate desire to go out and to share the message of the kingdom. To share the whole gospel. So that in hearing, faith might lead to regeneration. God, may we care and meet the needs of our hurting brothers and sisters. May we love the other sheep. God, I pray for the sheep that have wandered, who may have committed their life to following the shepherd before, but they've wandered like a goat. May they know that the good shepherd is calling them home and running out to meet them. And he's going to wrap his arms around them. 
and he's going to put a ring on their finger. And he said, I love you. I love you. Jesus, all of our hope is in you. If you'd like to be prayed over, if you'd like to surrender it all, I'm going to have you come up and, and, and receive prayer. So I ask Pastor Mike and elders and life group leaders to come up here, and uh, I'm going to stay up here too. And uh, if you'd like to surrender it all today, come up and receive prayer. If you'd like to return home, if you're a sheep that has wandered, come up and receive prayer. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.